0: Everyone and welcome to another video here on the Cycling Dane Extra channel if you're listening on the Cycling Dane podcast. And today I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling podcast. And uh, yeah, today we're going to discuss Macho van der Poel's chances of winning the world championships in Glasgow later this year. Obviously, Patrick, you're going to go there. It can be very interesting to say the least. But Macho van der Poel, you, you've even offered him accommodation if he wants it. <laughs> Uh, won the echelon which I thought was funny but I mean he's won the rainbow jersey before he's won it as a junior on the road as well but it's kind of missing this big cheese on his Palmares yeah it's the one thing which is really missing and last year
1: was certainly an opportunity missed but you know we all heard the drama of kind of Vanderpol's accommodation gate, which is what Scott was referring to. I was like, I've got a spare bedroom going in my place where I'm staying. So van der Poel, you know, if he still wants a quiet night's sleep, that offer is still up there if, if he wants it but like you say van der Poel has won plenty of big races in his time but the world championships is one of the only things which is missing from that palmares i'm sure he'll be very thirsty to try and get it
0: yeah i mean we might as well start with his 2023 season and uh, obviously we know that he won Pyro bay and milan san Remo both in emphatic styles and the belgian tour as well and then we've discussed uh well in various other places about his 2023 Tour de France. And yeah, what have you felt of his year? It's been a great year apart from the Tour to some respect, but he was a domestique.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was also that kind of disappointment in Stradi Bianchi, if you remember that. He was a big favourite for that and that never really materialised. But also second place at E3 and London Van Vlandren MVDP is arguably one off of the, one of if not the best one day race performer of, of this season I reckon that's you know pretty uh, alongside Pigaccia, maybe as well you can maybe throw even a pool in we'll wait and see what he does as well but you know we'll talk about the, the competitors in, in a little bit but yeah Vanderpool's season has been very difficult to be in terms of his one- day performances and at the end of the day, this is another long, arduous one-day race, which you know could be a, a wet and rainy affair, because we are in Scotland after all, and weather conditions can be very unpredictable. Sort of like 2019, where you know that wasn't a good one for Vanderpol either. He cracked pretty bad. So wait and see. Maybe he's uh, learned from that experience.
0: It seems like they moved the race because of what happened in Yorkshire to some respect.
1: It's Scotland. Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Like it could it could rain any day. So I don't really think it it will matter too much to the fact that it's in August, early August. In theory it should be summer, but I still think that it's an incredibly unpredictable race. And I think that it's going to be a hard one to control and it's going to be a matter of keeping at the front of the peloton as much as you can because we'll get into the course, but it looks incredibly technical and being up
0: front is going to be of massive importance. Right, we might as well move on to it. Glasgow, the course, as you showed me, looks horrifically technical in the final circuit. Yeah, despite the kind of lack of information on it. Or not lack of information, we have the profile, but it's just not very apparent because there's that huge lump before they get into the city circuit.
1: Yeah, and then they also go up, uh, what's it called, Montrose Street? I think that's what it's called. It's quite steep, at least 12% or something. It doesn't last particularly long, but when you consider that we've got multiple laps of this circuit, it's going to be arguably get more and more difficult as the race goes on because people are going to get tired and there's going to be a lot of that kind of whiplash effect going out of a lot of these corners you've got corners which are 90 degrees where you're going to, need to take a good line and those in the top five positions are going to be saving more energy if so a strong team's going to be of real importance here as well to be able to stay at the front but having good bike handling is going to be massively important too which is something which we know that Vanderpol has in absolute bucket
0: loads yeah i mean it looks very Cyclocross-esque and uh, the, the as you said, the banks as well around here. So don't you think it suits him completely, this course? I think arguably it does. This is probably one of the best Van der
1: courses, which there could be. You could have argued that for Flanders as well in 2021, but he ended up finishing eighth in that race as well. So... You never quite know what to expect from Vanderpol, but I'd say of all the courses that there have been designed, this is a really good one because it's not overly difficult where there's kind of like big mountains or climbs which are outside of Vanderpol's remit. These are well and truly within his capabilities, short, less than one minute efforts, he's going to be able to use his hunching ability, his ability just to snap out of corners to really try and create gaps as much as you can because I reckon that this is going to be a race which is going to be dictated from the front and attacking off the front might seem like it's wasting energy but I think it's going to put people into difficulty behind and it's going to be a real whittling down process and getting that one big attack up Montrose Street could well be the winning move and Van could be the guy to do that.
0: I mean he has had success before in Glasgow in the 2018 European championships, where we saw that incredible photo where Trentin beats both Wout Venard and Macho Poel in a sprint. But yeah, well, looking towards kind of his team, obviously that's gonna play a part. They have a very strong generation of riders right now. Obviously, you said as well he finished eighth in Flanders, where Dillaman Baal finished in second place. But do you think compared to maybe some of the other teams where there may be a bit of tension within the teams that they're all going to just be falling behind Match of Van der Poel for this.
1: You'd expect so, but there is also that kind of Dylan Van Baal, like you said, he is always very good when it comes to long races, and we've seen that, like you say, at World Championships, but also at the Tour of Flanders, you know, last year, where he was incredibly strong there as well. So you can never quite tell. There's also Olav Koy, who's a big... Parabella as
0: well, he won.
1: Oh yeah, of course, yeah, of course he won Paris. I forgot that. But uh, Olaf Koi, I think, is another sort of spanner in the works, the young gun, who perhaps hasn't been competitive on a race of this distance, but I think that's just because he hasn't ever done a race of this distance, so you don't know how he's going to respond to it, but he is not just an out-and-out pure sprinter, he is very versatile as well, but I think... It would make sense that they would work for Van der Poel. He is the, the headman of Dutch cycling, to be honest. And I think that it makes sense that they rally around him, even if he hasn't had the best Tour de France, because he won Milano San Remo, and then had that fantastic streak of results after that this year, after having a subpar Stade Bianchi, and then not really doing much in Terreno Adriatico, which in my eyes seemed tells me that Vanderpool can really just come out of the woodwork and pull out these fantastic performances. And previous race results is almost... It doesn't matter what he's had for races beforehand because he can really just pull it out
0: of the bag when it matters. Do you think the Tour de France, he's going to be a bit fatigued as well? He's been doing a great job for Jasper Philipsen. We saw him up there in the breakaways, but not quite that punch that we're used to from Maitre Van der Poel. That's very
1: true, but we'll get on to the competitors. But a lot of his competitors, who are the main rivals, have also done the Tour de France. So you could argue that everyone's going to be equally as fatigued. And actually, Van der Poel, like you said, he was in the break with Philipson a couple of times and he was on lead-out duty. But I think, relatively, Van der Poel had quite a chill tour. And I think he was probably able to save some energy, likely to try and do as well as he can here. In the world championships.
0: Oh, well, going on to the rivals, obviously, Remco Van is coming back to try and defend his title. Yeah, who else do you kind of see as competitors? Well, Vennard obviously is flagged up. Anything Machovanecpoel tries to win, he's there. Yeah, who who do you kind of see as the biggest rivals for this this rainbow jersey?
1: I also think that somebody is quite underrated perhaps could be Christophe Laporte he finished in second place in the world championships last year it's very easy to forget but that was a fantastic performance from Laporte I have reckon he just looked incredibly strong during the tour this year he's been climbing better than any Laporte I've seen in the past so I would probably throw Laporte's name in there you could even say Jasper Philipson as another kind of spanner in the Belgian works where they've got Avonapol and Philipson who they'll go with I'm not too sure I do think that maybe Avonapol goes. Going along could serve very good on this on this very technical course where it's the the age old saying of out of sight, out of mind sort of thing where he if he goes early he could certainly be a big competitor. Of course Denmark, they've got Mass Pedersen, who I'm sure that you'll be rallying behind Scott and he's got a very strong team around him as well. GB haven't released their team, but Pidcock will likely be here. Michael Matthews, a name we haven't really hasn't really been on our radar for a while. He hasn't been to the Tour for the first time in a while. So he will be there for Australia. That's kind of like the main competitors, to be honest. But then there's some more sort of what you might call fringe riders, like maybe... Nielsen powell has done well in races like this in the past stefan kung maro schmidt he was did very well in world champs last year but unfortunately was they were kind of messing around in the breakaway a bit too much as well but those first riders who i mentioned are really the the main riders but of course we don't have a full start list yet so we can't make a complete opinion on this but those are the preliminary
0: favorites going into the world championships we can't have a kind of a semi preview of a race with a rider without going to predictions. And I mean, yeah, Patrick, are you going to validate this video or is he not going to win the world in your opinion? Well, of course, you know, but I think that if, if Pidcock
1: lines up, he of course will be <laughs> the winner. You know, that, that's, the, that's the bias. That's what I'm contracted to say. I would love to see Matthew van der Poel win. I think it's the sort of perfect time in his career. He's 28 now. And I feel like this is the time where, I'm not saying it's now or never, but it kind of feels like it's the right time. However, I do fear about the strength of the Belgian team, but whether that internal conflict might start to, you know, wear things down a little bit when you've only got Phillips and Wout well, and... And Remco there maybe in a finale. So you know what? For the romantic side, I will say that Matthew van der Paul will
0: podium you know? <laughs> world championships. So you're saying second or third? Yes. I mm-hmm. think second or third. I
1: precious. just Who's I your think... world champion? world champion well people will just have to come back for yeah, our full yeah, preview guess, to I, I hear guess, who i think I guess, is going yeah, to be yeah, winning yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not i'm not going to reveal that just yet and quite frankly i do need a little bit more
0: time to fully formulate my opinion but what about you what do you think of i'm going to validate this video slash podcast and say matcha will win the world championships and have like the best well arguably the best year of his career I mean, yeah. no, no tour stage wins, but I mean... yeah. And,
1: to be fair, you did say at the start of the year, your beginning of year predictions, you did say way back when that Van der Poel was going to win World Championships, so you're sticking true to your word.
0: Yeah, but didn't I pretty much pick him for every single one-day race as well? Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> paid off,
1: that's paid off for, for a few of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's basically it for our quick, well, micro micro preview can you call it that we'll call it that of uh, the world championships in glasgow of course make sure to check out patrick's channel how do cycling and if you want to see more of patrick as well uh, he's one third of the echelon cycling podcast so make sure to join us every monday for that but that's basically it for our video here of a quick snapshot of the glasgow world championships and Patrick will, of course, be there as well in person. So we're looking out for a lot of special content on that. But but for now, thank you for watching and have a nice day.